What up all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 265 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, you hear from me, your host, Chapin Cruder, and I go into detail of what's transpired over this last year here in Mexico. I go into a bit of detail about why I moved, the motivation behind it, what I'm challenging myself with right now, currently, and throughout this past year. And I take the baton from Noah Rashid in last week's episode, 264, and go deeper into fear, my fears specifically, my fears of big waves, and how I've challenged myself and systematically approached my fear of big waves, and what has really helped me deal with that fear as I paddle into waves most days scared. I think you really like this episode because you get to hear in more detail about me, my life here in Mexico, and again how I deal with certain challenges in my life and how I have dealt with them throughout my life. With that said, if you're a first-time listener, please click that subscribe button on whatever you're listening to this on. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. That really helps me out. Getting Misfits and Rejects shared amongst your peers is a way that really helps me grow my audience. And if you like Misfits and Rejects and want to join the other patrons who support Misfits and Rejects, you can head over to patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects and give a monthly donation. It's really appreciated. Nothing is expected, but that $1, $5, $10, $25 donation per month really helps me continue to produce Misfits and Rejects and deliver episodes that you like. Another way to help Misfits and Rejects out is by going over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. Really excited to share this episode with you guys today. I hope wherever you're at, you're having a great new year and excited for what the future holds. With that said, please sit back, relax and enjoy this episode with me. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today you're joined by me, your host, Chapin Cruder. It's been six months, folks, since I checked in. I thought it was time to give you an update. I just celebrated my one-year anniversary here in Mexico. I landed January 6, 2023, and here we are, one year later, and I couldn't be happier. This decision to move here has worked out in a way that I couldn't have imagined. And after one year of being here, it's just escalated in a way that has made the stay and my experience so pleasurable. And for many, many years now, I've known that I always need to be in a warm climate with lots of sun. That really keeps my mood elevated, and I find myself happiest in these types of environments. That's why I was so drawn to Nicaragua, and all my travels seem to take me to tropical warm places like Thailand and Southeast Asia and Mexico. And with the geography of things, Mexico is close. It's got a beautiful culture, beautiful food, great waves, and it was the obvious choice after the move from Nicaragua back to the States for the last five years. And now after being here for a year, I can honestly say it's exactly what I had hoped it would be and a lot more. More meaning that I'm finding myself loving it more and more every day and can see myself here for at least three to five years minimum. Realistically, with family being so close and it's so easy for me to get home, I will probably stay longer than that 
depending on if I meet it at home or not. You know, obviously, if I have to go home, I will shoot back and be there for whoever needs me. But if I can maintain this lifestyle for the next three, five, 10 years, I can definitely see myself doing that. I hope you liked last week's episode with Noah Rashid. It was great to hear him talk about his first time travel experiences, uh, some of his apprehensions and fears and how he's facing all those things. And I want to loop a lot of that discussion into my conversation with you about fear, how I deal with it, especially in my current surfing situation where I'm located now in Mexico. Because as I've mentioned in past episodes, surfing is still a big part of my life. But as a lot of things change in one's life, my love for surfing has changed over the years. I still need it. I deeply, deeply need surfing in my life. I need the warm water, the sun, the smell of the ocean, the feel of the waves, and the overall peacefulness it brings to my life. But the thrill and excitement of just riding waves has dissipated over the years. I don't get the same rush that I once did, which in many ways was the motivation to move here where I'm at currently in Mexico because the wave itself is so big and so challenging and I've never been what one would consider a big wave surfer. Now, I haven't really decided whether you're born with it or not. I think I tend to believe that you can train yourself to become a big wave surfer, but it is clear that there were many of my peers who just loved surfing big waves. It was in their DNA. Whether it was just thrill-seeking or not, they had a desire to go out in the biggest waves and challenge themselves. And although I wanted to participate in surfing big waves, I wasn't driven in the same way. I was more always facing my fear, seeing how far I could push myself before I, before I felt like I was in way over my head. And after coming here to this part of Mexico mainland a few years back um, and surfing the wave that I'm currently at, I started really thinking about maybe that's the next chapter in surfing that I want to take on. Maybe that will rekindle the love and excitement I once felt every single day growing up and started concocting the plan, as many of you know, to move here. And then, yes, January 2023 made that leap hoping that I would figure out a way to make enough money online to sustain myself in Mexico as I challenged myself with this new challenge of surfing big waves. And it's been a beautiful year. The waves have delivered. They've been giant and scary. And I would say 99.9% of the days I found myself fearful. But that's mainly what this episode is about is me and my systematic approach in facing fears. Now, where did I develop this systematic approach? Well, I can't say for sure that it was a well thought out approach. I do remember at UCLA studying psychology. There was in one of my courses where we talked about therapy a lot, a way that therapists work with people, for example, who have phobias and people who have phobias, obviously, are either afraid of, let's just use, for example, snakes or spiders, and just being in the presence of one can send them into almost cardiac arrest or full panic attack. And so what they use is something called exposure training. And I'm not exactly sure if that's the appropriate verbiage used by therapists, but it's basically, if you Google exposure training, it's going to come up and there's many people who work with people who have phobias and help them deal with it. But it's essentially systematically and slowly exposing yourself to your fears. 
And if you were somebody who was afraid of spiders, say, your therapist would sit there and in the therapy session, just talk about spiders. Have you visualized spiders? Or they would just take you to an uncomfortable place without pushing you too far. And you would be exposed to that thought for X amount of sessions, maybe an, an amount of time, months, even six months, one year until your blood pressure, for example, would normalize. And you could sit in a room with your therapist and just talk about spiders without having your blood pressure start to rise and that fear start to overwhelm you. And then the next step would maybe be bringing a spider into the room in a box or something like that, that you knew it was in the room, but you didn't see it, but you knew it was there and how that made you feel. And that exposure would last for a length of time until again, you could regulate your physical response to that fear and then maybe you could see the spider and this could go on for years, but that is a systematic approach that I remember learning about in my psychology classes. And then fast forward to where I'm at now, looking at the various things that I've done in my life, you know, there was always this motivation to challenge myself and face my fears. I never wanted to be somebody who didn't try something because I was afraid of it. So for many years, even my travels were going to places that were stigmatized as being dangerous. I wanted to face those fears, challenge myself and challenge others to see if my fears were justified. And it was many, many years of, you know, getting on flights with for sure a lot of anxiety because not knowing exactly what I was going to encounter the fear of the unknown, which is very common for, I think a lot of people definitely lived in me and landing in countries with this stigma and getting around these countries was always for me a little bit of anxiety provoking, which quickly dissipated once I found myself in these countries and realized there was nothing to be afraid of. But fear is something that has been in my life for a long time. I remember, you know, as a child of the 80s, fear of being kidnapped was a big deal in a lot of families. And I remember having my parents instill that fear in me of walking, if I'm walking down the street and somebody approached me, you know, there could be a possibility of being kidnapped. And that fear was very real for a long time to where, you know, going to pick up my sister from a neighbor's house terrified me, you know, because I thought I was going to get kidnapped. Um, fear of rejection, for example. I mean, many people have a fear of re being rejected by somebody they're attracted to. Um, that's definitely been a, a fear in my life as well. And yet you still or and yet I still, you know, have a systematic approach of trying to deal with those fears and at least face them. And with time, many of them have dissipated to the point where I don't have the same fear I once did when it comes to traveling to new countries. Now, that might change if the country I'm going to, for example, is Afghanistan or something like that. I might be a little bit wary of that. But in my current situation and the places I frequent, those original fears of the unknown, obviously now because I do return to a lot of the places so I'm familiar, but even with new ones, countries in Latin America I've never been to, I don't experience that same amount of fear I once did of the unknown. You know, maybe because I speak a little Spanish, maybe because Uber, you know, like the, in the old days where you get out of the airport and have to find a taxi or a bus, that used to give me a lot of anxiety. But nowadays, I don't feel that at all. So exposure training is helpful. And so, again, in knowing 
that, I came to Mexico and planned on using exposure training to face my fears of big waves. Now, just to orientate you with a little bit of the root cause of this fear, back when I was running surf camps in Nicaragua, there was a few outer reefs that would get big. And I used to like to challenge myself and try to surf some of these waves. And on one particular occasion, I took off, didn't come close to even making the drop, and just catapulted myself from the top of the wave all the way to the bottom and was pushed really far down and had a reaction that hadn't had in a long time, which was sheer panic. And this is bad. When a surfer panics under these type of circumstances, this is what usually can cause the situation to become very dangerous and oftentimes lead to, unfortunately, death because you exhaust yourself through the adrenaline that you're expelling through the panic and then not to mention confounded with the actual experience, which is tremendously draining and tiring. But I was pushed down very deep and having a full panic attack thinking that I was going to die and pulled myself up via my leash to the surface right before a second wave landed on my head, which then propelled me back down. Luckily, I got enough of a breath that I could hold it for the second beatdown, but I definitely came up from that tremendously exhausted, very rattled, instantly saying to myself, I don't think I belong out here. This is not fun for me. I had been surfing these outer reefs for years, but again, always tentatively, always just out there trying to face my fears, get a few waves. But this beatdown in particular really made me question if this is something I want to continue to do. And from that day forward, I can't say I was that excited to surf those types of waves that much. I still did occasionally, but I wasn't there in the headspace that I once was confident wise and wanting to be out there. I was more just out there because I didn't want to go to bed at night knowing that my fear beat me and kept me from at least trying. So now fast forward to life back in the States after the whole Nicaragua thing sort of collapsed for me 2017 and spending, you know, five years really not surfing that much, not really even having desire to definitely getting out occasionally, but definitely big wave surfing was not where my head was at at all. But as life does, it showed me an opportunity to start living in an environment that I really loved and posed an opportunity for me to maybe challenge that fear and see if I could rekindle my love of surfing through big waves. And I've learned over the years that I do like a challenge. So this seemed logical to me. It was going to allow me to live in Mexico and maybe fall in love with surfing again. Hence the move to Mexico. And over the last year, I have taken a systematic approach to surfing big waves. And now for those of you listening who are surfers and wondering like how big the waves are, they're big enough to scare me. Let's just say that. Some people would say, oh, that's not a big wave. For me, it's big enough, and I was, I'm scared most days. Um, the way it breaks here is extremely powerful. Uh, the consequences of not just drowning are real, but just physical bodily harm are very real every single day, whether it's you know six feet on the face or up to 20 feet on the face. And that haunts me. This is something that, yeah, I don't really want to push myself to the point where I might not be able to walk away from a beatdown, for example. 
But at the same time, I'm driven to not let that fear overwhelm me and enslave me and then make me wonder if I could have done it. So going back to exposure training, I decided that it would be best to prepare myself with the right equipment and slowly take baby steps into paddling out into waves that made me uncomfortable. And I did that. I got the right equipment and I purchased a surfboard that had a lot of volume in it so I could float and paddle a lot quicker in bigger waves. I got a flotation suit, an impact suit as we call them, which has foam packed in the back, sides, and a little bit of the chest area to help me float to the surface a lot faster when I do get beat down, and as well a sturdy leash to where I will maintain connectivity to my board in the circumstances of me falling and not making a drop or just having to ditch my board if I get caught inside. Now, as a surfer who's been surfing for over 30 years, I'm confident that I can get out under these circumstances and most likely get back in. At least that's where I started. And then with time, I started realizing like I was avoiding the one thing that I really needed to be comfortable with, which was just getting the pounding that these types of waves can inflict on you. But not in, a, uh, not in a way that was going to hurt me, but in a way that I could feel the power and know that I could navigate it. So rather than taking the safer route out into these waves, I decided it would be best to make my way slowly straight out. And if you're a surfer and you surf beach breaks, you know that going straight out in big waves is hard. You have to time it. You're trying to avoid these big waves breaking on your head. Where I took a different approach. And I decided that I would go out at the wrong time. And instead of, you know, paddling to where the way is about to break on my head, I would just time it at the wrong time. So I was getting kind of pummeled by the whitewater. And I would obviously check all my equipment. I would take full responsibility for the fact that if I might break my board, that could cost me money. Obviously taking full responsibility for the fact that if I'm going to go out, I need to be responsible and be able to get myself in. I'm not going to panic and then potentially put somebody else at risk when they come try to save me. And so these steps were something that were very important to me because I think it is important that if you are going to challenge your fears, you want to prepare the best of your ability as well as mitigate certain circumstances from happening, which could in turn to put other people's lives in danger. So I wasn't about to paddle out into an empty lineup with nobody around. That would have been stupid. But on days that were big and I was uncomfortable again, I would make sure all my equipment was in good working order to the best of my ability, make sure that there was plenty of people around if an accident did happen. And for example, I happened to get knocked out by my surfboard underwater. Mind you, I did purchase a helmet. So in a lot of these circumstances, I had my float suit on, my helmet, my sturdy leash, my floaty board, and I would slowly start to paddle out at the wrong time as a set was coming and just let the big white waters kind of tumble me under them and drag me underwater and just feel what it was like to have that type of power move my body. And, you know, with the amount of years that I had been surfing and the amount of times I had surfed big waves, this was a familiar feeling. I hadn't felt it in... I don't know, at least five years, maybe even longer. But, you know, with 
the amount of experience that I did have, this feeling and the familiar nature of it allowed me to mentally overcome my fear of big waves to a certain extent rather quickly. And I did this a few times on a few different days and started to become confident in myself again that I could paddle out safely, paddle in safely, and if things got bad, for example, say when my leash broke during a set and I had to swim in, I could do that. Or say my board broke and I had to swim in. And the various things that could potentially happen under these types of conditions, I started playing out in my head and feeling more confident that in most of these circumstances, I could get in and out of the water safely with minimal bodily harm and not putting anybody else's life at risk. And I've approached the wave here most days like this. And even though I stopped paddling out at the exact wrong time, because that's tiring and I'm trying to conserve energy rather than waste energy on a lot of these days, I still now on days where it's big and still scary, allow myself in certain circumstances to just take a few bigger waves on the head and let the wave do what it's going to do. Try to control my fear, control my bodily emotions, not panic like the time I did in Nicaragua. And through time over this last year, I have been able to really become more confident and more controlled and find my limits to where I feel that I'm pushing myself enough and I have no desire to go past that point. And that's been really cool and interesting too, because when I got here, I didn't know that limit. I didn't really have one in mind that I was trying to find, but just naturally through this process, I found it and I'm comfortable with it. I know the wave size that I'm comfortable in and I know when it gets bigger than that, where my comfort level lies. And I know when it gets bigger than that, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I will happily sit on the beach and watch everybody else surf. And my ego's not in play anymore about this. I'm very comfortable and confident in what I've done for myself over the last year, how I've done it, and where I've landed. The feeling I have now to go out and surf is one of contentness. It's one of happiness knowing that I'm doing something good for my health, both physically and mentally. It's, it's a place I feel like I connect with like-minded people. So there's a certain camaraderie out there. Um, there is a very high level of respect in the way that people aren't pushing you to do anything you don't want to do. And everyone is encouraging you just to be out there if you feel like it. And if you choose to go on a wave, they're very encouraging. And if you choose not to go on a wave, they're very kind and understanding. And I'm very open with my fear out there. You know, I talk openly about it with everybody. Yep. I'm scared. Oh, I was scared on that one. Did want to go. And no one has ever made me feel bad about that. And I think there's plenty of people out there who feel the same thing because of their humble nature in those types of circumstances. Sure. Of course, there's sometimes some macho individual out there who has got a certain bravado, but even they seem to always received me and others like me with respect and an understanding that we're out here all fighting our own battles internally and externally. And after this year, having these experiences just reinforced 
my love of this place and the people I'm surrounded by and motivated me to keep going. And I will, as long as I can. As long as I can sustain my life here, I will stay. And I know through past experiences that, you know, three to five years is a marker for me. So, you know, in the next three to five years, we'll see how I feel about this place and, and the waves themselves. But for right now, my happiness level and the found, my foundation of happiness is so solid and so high. And the amount of moments I'm feeling tremendous amounts of joy is coming back as well, which has been interesting because, you know, can you feel joy without happiness? I don't know. I think you can. I think it's not as powerful. But when you have a foundation of happiness and then joy creeps into your life, I think joy is elevated to a heightened sense within yourself. And I can say in the last three months, there's been moments of pure joy and just elation through the experiences I'm getting to have here and share with others. Mostly out in the water, just these peaceful moments of great waves, camaraderie, smiles, encouragement that have reminded me a lot of Nicaragua and the time I spent there with the people I love. So yes, one year, one year anniversary. I see myself here for definitely another three to five years. I will continue to challenge myself out in the water, on land. Spanish is still extremely hard for me, which is embarrassing for me to say, but it's the truth. Understanding it is so difficult. No matter how hard I study, it just is hard for me. And I've committed to myself that I will not leave Latin America until I'm at least understanding what most people say, where if I even get 10% of what somebody says, it's a good day. And I still continue to have really cool signposts pop up in my life. As you'll hear in next week's episode, I bumped into an old high school friend running across the street in front of me (laughs) at one of the waves that we surf. And as you've heard in past episodes, this is a signpost for me that I'm on the right path in life. And although he's a surfer, I'm a surfer, he's a traveler, I'm a traveler. The odds of us bumping into each other somewhere around the world are high. But as you will hear us talk, it was still a really cool coincidence under the circumstances. And I'm excited for you to hear that episode because he talks a lot about travels, his fears, how he deals with it, um, the life that he's been leading now for like the last seven years on the road. And uh, I think you'll get a lot out of it, you know, starting from, you know, last week's episode with Noah Rashid, you know, first time traveler talking about his fears till, you know, me, this episode, 265, talking about my fears and travels to Tag Hurley talking about his fears. Like, I think this is a, a good sequence of episodes to really start to hone in on, you know, how people deal with fears, challenge themselves and the different approaches that they take because not everyone's the same. And just because I do it this way doesn't mean you have to as well. And if you are thinking about challenging yourself with something, you know, dangerous, obviously you want to take a, a systematic approach that mitigates risk and keeps you safe and healthy. Um, I'm not encouraging anybody to paddle out into waves that they're uncomfortable in or put themselves in a situation that is life-threatening. Not at all. All I'm doing is explaining, you know, how over the last year I've dealt with surfing big waves, where I've landed, how it's been helpful, but at the same time, 
you know, I'm still not the guy who's rushing out there super excited to surf giant waves. Not at all. I definitely have had to build confidence, build the trust in myself that I can handle these situations in a very slow, systematic, safe way. So just be aware of that as you encounter physical challenges in life. You know, some people are always like, you have to dive just straight in the deep end and see if you can swim. That's not how I do it at all. And, and under the circumstances that I'm surfing and doing that can be life-threatening. And I've seen people try it. And I've seen people literally crawling on their hands and knees from the water up onto the sand, thanking the universe that they're still alive because they got in over their head too quick. So always keep that in mind. Be safe out there. And if you're thinking about taking that first trip to some place like Mexico or some place that you're not super comfortable with, you know, do your due diligence. Take your time. Talk to people who've already been there. Various places that you know you might feel safe going. And if in the end, you conclude that it's, it's worth trying and facing that fear, give it a go. If not, that's okay too. And start somewhere else. Take a trip someplace that you feel really comfortable. And if you're thinking about trying something new and challenging yourself physically, do your due diligence, do your research, take your time, talk to the right people, educate yourself, approach it in a systematic, safe way so that you can continue to challenge yourself in that sport that you've chosen, whether it's surfing whether it's through hiking, like you'll hear Tag talk a lot about, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail or the various trails that he's hiked around the world. It's always amazing to find the other side of fear. And that's where I'll leave this conversation today where, you know, having that fear in front of you, wanting to challenge it, but not confident enough to challenge it or questioning it. Well, there's the other side of fear when you do get through that. And as, you know, Noah talked about, as I'm telling you, as you'll hear Tag talk about, on the other side of fear, there's, there's confidence building. And there's usually an acknowledgement of the irrational side of fear that keeps us enslaved and unwilling to step out of our comfort zones. So think about that. I think you all are so very beautiful. Thank you for joining me today. And if you'd like to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects and give a monthly donation. It's all appreciated. Nothing is expected. Thank you to all my patrons out there donating. It really, really helps. You can also head over to misfitsandrejects.com and click on the shop button and buy a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. That really helps me as well. Or sharing it with a friend, getting the message out there and helping me get more followers and people interested in these types of discussions is a huge help as well. Thank you all so much for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful and I'll see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.